Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Weekly, the show where we recap the week and dive into the juicy talking points. Remember, premium supporters of Eurogamer get these episodes every Friday, whereas everyone else listens from Monday. And you can find out more about that below or on the Eurogamer website, which is, after all, a lovely place to be. I'm Bertie, and I've been a writer at Eurogamer forever. And today I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief Martin Robinson. Hello, Martin. Hello, how's it going? Good, thank you. Welcome back from your holiday. Thank you very much. Are you, you look recharged and refreshed. Do I? I look like I've just been for a walk out in the rain to go and get a sausage roll for lunch, which is actually, yeah. <laughs> but maybe that is my refreshed wow. look. They must be good sausage rolls. Yeah, they're restorative. Sausage they rolls have re- look good on you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, they have restorative <laughs> powers, I believe. I basically, I just basically just get them and it's, it's my facial routine in the morning, basically, just wiping a sausage roll over my face. I'm picturing you now with like flaky pastry. <laughs> I just, just, I literally just had to just get it all off before this call. I was having to just shake it all off. But anyway, shake it all off. I can picture it now in uh, an RPG backpack. Martin's restorative. <laughs> well, like in Breath of the Wild, where he's halfway up a thing and he has to like get his sort of three quarters of yard of his back to get stamina back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also joining us today, news reporter Victoria Kennedy. Hello, Victoria. Hello, and I'm very sorry. I've not had a sausage roll, so. Oh. Oh. Deflated. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, we had your dog, the captain, just pop in a second ago, but um, he has. She has. Uh, he um, has. He has promptly run off. He has. He's. Uh, but yeah, I am doing very well, thank you, Bertie. Fantastic. Okay, let's get into it. So we've had another big review this week, um, and it's for Switch, darling. Um, active painting <laughs> game, as I just called it. Um, Splatoon three. Martin, you wrote this review, and. I'll be frank, I half expected you to award it an essential. But, I but have questions about this as well, Martin. Why is it not an essential? What would make you say that, looking at the various Splatoon amiibos I have lined around my desk? And I'm not actually wearing my Splatoon t-shirt or cap today like I normally uh, would be. Um, yeah, I guess it's, I'm a bit of a fan, I think, and have been since um, the first one came out in 2015. People um, are though, right? This is a series that has had that effect on a lot of people. It's been an incredible success for Nintendo. Yeah, it's a huge success. I mean, obviously, it's kind of it debuted on the Wii U, which is kind of a nadir for Nintendo commercially because um, it didn't do too well. But it kind of allowed them to try some new things. Um, I think when the t- when Splatoon came out, I think there was there was something going around like it was the first new. Um, new IP uh, with new characters in it, which aren't Mario and, and Zelda exactly from Nintendo for like 15 years. Um, I think that is, if you don't include stuff like Wii Sports anyway. But um, it was like, anyway, it was something new, uh, which was quite rare to come from Nintendo. And so it was really exciting at the time and it captured people's imaginations, did really well. Um, in Japan, it's like nothing nothing short of a cultural phenomenon, basically. People go absolutely wild for it. Um, maybe a little bit less so over here, but it still does, it's still very successful. Splatoon 2 was kind of a, um, 
it wasn't like the most fulsome sequel. It came out two years afterwards um, mm. in 2017. But this is after a five year wait. This is like feels like a proper sequel um, and has got absolute loads more. There's like it's weird, though, because it doesn't do anything um, spectacularly new. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of like, oh, where's like where's where's the big new idea? There's no new game modes. There's no kind of there is a big new campaign, but there's nothing you can really point to and go. This is the new thing, basically. It's really but, tricky um, when you have games like this, because I feel like Overwatch is in a similar kind of place where you have something that's clearly been very good and has done very well so you don't want to change it because that's working really well but you're now under pressure to make a new game so you've got to put things on it but then you have this kind of sacred thing which is working really well so sacred. what do you do yeah well, i think it's the same with this because basically this is like splatoon 2 um came out five years ago has had uh, they did a really good job of post um of post launch support for it new maps kept them coming to it um it had the octo expansion which was this big single player expansion to it a paid expansion but still it's um it was uh, yeah it was it was fantastic um and i think after 5 years it's now just time for them just to lay down some new foundations for it and so what this is right now splatoon 3 is the foundations for the next 5 years of splatoon basically ah, they've been okay. quite upfront about that and it's kind of um and so this is kind of the, the ground level for what's coming next. And so, um, and so, yeah, there is nothing spectacularly new in there. And there's nothing, um, nothing you can really point to and go, oh, well, if you can, if you're geeky and say, look at the, um, there's loads of cool new weapons and everything in it. But a lot of it is just really basic stuff and basic stuff, which like should have probably been in the first platoon, like a functioning <laughs> lobby system. So you can play with friends and stuff like that. Um, I and thought of a really good pun. Go could for you it. say it's an incremental update? <laughs> Is it too late to go into the CMS and get and change the, change the strap? It's never too late. <laughs> that, is, I'm just, that is both fantastic. Now I'm absolutely deeply wounded that I didn't think of that first time. That would have been perfect for the, for the review. It you is can very have a much... gold podcast star. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, is, like, it is quite a minor review. And I get, like, if you're, it's weird because if, I, I'm sorry, I put like 300, 400 hours into Splatoon 2. So I'm just over the moon for all the small improvements mean a lot to me. And it's just, a, a, and it's a really good foundation for us to come basically. So I'm really happy with it. And also it comes with an eight hour um, campaign, which is amazing. And probably yeah, so like this the most. Campaign, the single player aspect of it. I saw, I was reading the review and it sort of grew out of a kind of tutorial as it were. But is this a kind of play to maybe coax people to Splatoon who aren't necessarily multiplayer people. They don't think, oh, I don't really want to play a multiplayer game. Is this that kind of thing? I'd hope so. I mean, that's what that's one of the reasons I love Splatoon because if I'm someone, I, I, actually, I do love multiplayer shooters. I'm, I'm a Call of Duty player. I'm a Battlefield player. Um, but sometimes you don't want that kind of in-your-face aggression. Sometimes you just want colours and lovely fun things to happen. And um, and to be honest, the lack of voice chat in Splatoon in the past has been a blessing. It's really nice not to be like having someone swear at you. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, the, the, and I, d I do wonder if this is going to be an entry point now for people because I think a lot of people have made their minds up about it already about Splatoon because yeah. um, of it's kind of the third instalment. And I think I don't know if this is going to be this is going to like move the needle in terms of getting new people into it. It's just going to satisfy those who that that player base is already there. Um, and uh, yeah, and the, the, I personally speaking, but again, I am the bias. Uh, like. I think the campaign's a great introduction. And if you just want a good first party Nintendo game to play this year, of which like Nintendo's had an amazing year this year. We've had Pokemon Legends Arceus. We've got another Pokemon coming late this year. Um, Bayonetta 3 is coming. Uh, we've had Kirby. 
Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles. How can I forget the game I gave an essential to? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they're all amazing, but they're all kind of second party developers. And so Mm. this is like, um, this feels to me like one of the most sizable first party Nintendo games we're going to get this year. Um, And like, if you, if you like a really good, um, well-engineered eight-hour experience, I think the, the campaign is like perfect and I would happily pay the price of entry for it. Um, and a really, and it's a really good introduction into kind of the mechanics of Splatoon, which are incredible. Um, and they've not changed that much since the first game, but that's because they did such a good job with it in the first game, and it works so well, especially in the um, the context of Turf War, which is kind of the bread and butter of Splatoon. Those mechanics are so well thought out, and they work so well in balance. I've never, I've never got sick of playing that as little three minute um, multiplayer mode um, in Splatoon. I still play it. I could play it endlessly. Basically, it's close <laughs> to perfect. And it's got a little bit closer to perfect with Splatoon 3. So I'm just like, I cannot wait until um, Friday when this will be going out. Uh, because of we played on online servers for a couple of days, which is fantastic. And then they've obviously been switched off. I cannot wait until the service be switched back on tomorrow. And then just to see the influx of people playing. And I'm not sure if you've played Splatoon before, but um, in the hub world, you've got kind of a, like a sort of a the ghost of the Miiverse, where basically people can like etch little sketches to people and little notes saying how excited they are and they do little drawings of the characters and it's just it's such a it's such a lovely place to be uh, and is i and like I'm the... gen- oh so is, is that like the animal crossing notice board equivalent yeah yeah a bit like that yeah yeah but yeah, but yeah you, you, we can do, do sketch stuff in there um, and everything and it basically pops over like as speech bubbles above other players heads basically and you can they can sometimes sometimes they say some quite fruity stuff it's been fascinating going into um <laughs> is that a it's promise been <laughs> <laughs> it's been really fast I, i've been going to splatoon 2's like um hub world and just seeing people are getting excited about splatoon 3 and like making all new kind of posts and getting almost like kind of sad farewells because of the, the oh. splatoon 2 is going to be deserted from like kind of <laughs> tonight onwards so tonight i'm gonna we're recording this on a thursday um tonight i'm probably gonna spend a couple of like hours playing splatoon 2 and just saying farewell basically to that before it basically oh. we move on to the next <clears throat> five years of splatoon which is splatoon that's 3, really so. nice you don't get that in overwatch that's so wholesome that's lovely i'm picturing it like some kind of like sending out to see like a viking yeah, no, it, it, it's kind of like that. It's going to be quite, it's, it'd be quite, um, I've, I've actually should make a point of actually um, capturing some posts and everything and sharing them with you and letting, letting, uh, showing you what people are up to and what people are saying. It's just, um, it's, it, as I say, it's just a lovely place to be and I'm looking forward to that tonight. It's, it, there's going to be the energy to it and that kind of, a bit of melancholy as you say farewell to it, but also just the <laughs> excitement for tomorrow when they switch on the servers and yeah, and then we get to playing and I, yeah, I imagine it's going to take up another 300 hours of my life this. Nice. It's a nice moment. Talking of hours spent playing Splatoon, I have to, the most incredible Splatoon statistic I heard recently, I was interviewing Gary Penn, who was a writer on Zap 64 years ago and helped create the original Grand Theft Auto. He absolutely loves Splatoon. And he told me, and I don't know why I'd make this up, but he told me (laughs) he had spent 3,700 hours playing Splatoon two i think it was that's quite a lot that's he's got a good taste <laughs> that's a lot of hours anyway if you're interested in splatoon 3 i mean chances are you you've already got it ordered but if you want to see the game in action zoe's also done um, a review of the single player part of the game with loads of capture and stuff like that over on the video channel so go and have a look at it if you're if you're not convinced or if you just want to see it see it in action 
I so, will be one of the newcomers, I should say, Martin. I was, um, I've never played Splatoon. My my introduction to Splatoon was seeing Inkling Girls and they pop up in Mario Kart, and I was just totally perplexed as who she was. But I kind of like the idea of getting my now nine year old son into a shooter without actually ah, getting him into a shooter. That's a yeah, great we'll point. We'll do Bullet Breaststroke instead. <laughs> it's weird because. Because I, I always forget it's a shooter, kind of, which is weird because obviously you are just playing with guns and everything because it feels like so much more than that. Um, but I'd be yeah, interested to know what your take is once you've played it. That's kind of, um, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're coming out. Playing with my boy, I think, yeah. That's a great oh, point because I um, played or watched my son play Fortnite. He's 12 now, so he's a, a little bit older. But a few years ago when Fortnite came around and he was playing it, there's so much to love about what Fortnite does. But the thing I really hated about Fortnite was these real guns in the game and hearing him talk to his friends and be like, get the, get the SMG, get like the tack shotgun or something. And I'm like, this is just mm. horrid. So Splatoon is one of those very wholesome games where you can be quite confident as a parent that your children are doing, you know, they're not going to go out and uh, commit gun crime. They're not. Well, I mean, fingers crossed. <laughs> they, could, yeah. they could go out and just like commit vandalism on a mass scale as they paint the town square. I would rather have a graffiti yeah. artist. I'm claiming this yeah. territory as my own. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Um, also in reviews this week, we had a review for Multiverses, which um, people have probably played. It's been out for a while. This is the um, the Warner Brothers, Smash Brothers um, kind of game uh, for non-Nintendo platforms, basically, for everything that isn't uh, Switch. Uh, but the the sentiment of the review seems to be it's better than simply just being a clone it's actually good in its own right and for for many different reasons uh, that's henry stockdale who wrote that review um i suggest you read it again you've probably played multiverses already um in features land this week so i've just finished writing and published a, uh, a piece about a plague tale requiem which is the sequel to a plague tale innocence which i should be able to tell you when that came out but i can't uh it was a few years ago it's from flight sim studio asobo funnily enough obviously different teams there's no airplanes in the game <laughs> that you can hop in and fly around in. and it's this very it's set in medieval France during the time of the Black Plague and rats and plague are a key part of it. They're related or they're linked to you play as a boy and a girl and a boy. The main character is this um, girl called Amicia. I'm not sure how old she is. She's sort of teenager in the first game and I think she's approaching young woman now. But Hugo, her younger brother, is like, I want to say six or something like that. He's very babyish in his behavior anyway. It's quite annoying in the game but anyway he has some supernatural kind of link to the rats which is explored through the first game and as a result something awful happens to their family at the very beginning of the first game and then they spend the rest of the game on the run from these people trying to literally hunt them and also from this plague which erupts from the ground these great geezers of like rats like out like a sea just crashing everywhere and they're brilliant they're terrifying but brilliant but it's a relentless game you the game doesn't ever kind of settle you down in a hub area and just go just uh chill out for a bit it's like what you're on from one thing to the next to the next and you're always like whoa crikey and that's back in this second game that's exactly what this is again somehow i don't know how because i started from chapter six in this preview build so i haven't seen the beginning sort of explanation of 
why you're on the run again. But you are on the run again. And you're also on the run from the plague. But you're a bit older now. It's it's not that much further on. It's like six months, I think, from the first game. Um, but you've been through some stuff. So you've got some new abilities. So Hugo, the boy, can now control the rats for a limited amount of time. And it feels like using the darkness powers in the darkness, if you remember that game, you just basically it's really OP and you can uh, gobble up anyone who's not protected by firelight or something. I watched the gameplay trailer of it and it was, yeah, he sort of did some impressive like inner mind something and then just the rat flood that came. I was squirming in my seat even though i knew full well it was on screen <laughs> yeah they're great they're re- they're really freaky was... the way the rats are done is, and the game itself I think the way is... they moved it was just oh they're this writhing squealing yeah. kind of mass it's like um a, sh- a shadow with eyes that's sort of always bubbling and kind of trying to get to you and things it's, it's... Bumps just thinking about it yeah i, I mean I, ha- I have no problem with rats if if you if something if you're squeamish about rats you know be warned i have no problem with rats as a rat singular, but I think if it was like a cascade of rats coming my way, it's, I would have some issues. <laughs> yeah, once like one is fine when one it's like rat. a thousand of them and they're carrying a deadly plague, then it's like, oh, probably not. I'll probably steer clear. I'd like to, yeah. Think There's a bit them. where they 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 are kind of erupt out of the ground, and it is like a sea pouring out of a da- like a broken dam. It's like that's how many rats are coming in, and it fills up. Ooh. It's it's freaky. Anyway, my. I really love the game, like the spectacle of it. I really like what Sobo are trying to do, the way they recreate medieval France in that period. They're a French studio and their love for that period and everything in it is just incredible to play. You really feel like this is probably what it was like at the time while you're playing. There's so much detail and the spectacle is lovely as well. The first was a great looking game. This one is better looking because it doesn't have the old consoles to kind of... um, work with now so it's just moved on to the newer stuff the thing that stressed me out about it was that the it's this it's a stealth game right and i think the stealth guts of it are missing something feels a bit feels a bit wooden feels a bit like you're wrestling with it sometimes Mm -hmm. and when you put that on top of the game's fondness for punishing you to make you feel like this is a punishing world that these kids are living in it starts to get really annoying like when you die for the umpteenth time however many times it is you know swear words start coming out of your mouth and that's an experience to me that you start fighting through rather than kind of wanting to go through and a part of that is obviously getting used to how it plays but it feels like it's not just that it feels like it's something to do with what you can do in these stealth sections how they're made that basically if you get found out you're probably going to get caught and then killed and it starts to get annoying but there are signs of hope so you've got these new abilities like hugo can control rats amicia the the girl she has a crossbow now but the bolts are limited so you're not like some it's not a machine gun where you can just mow people down um so there's more stuff you can do and you can call on other people to help you meet this soldier guy who joins you and you can like highlight enemies and press a button and then he'll go and fight them and he fairly reliably wins one-on-one but if you let him get surrounded, he dies. And if he dies, it's game over for you as well. So you have to restart that section. So there's stuff and that helps when he's there. Suddenly all that, it starts to alleviate a bit because you're getting through it and it's not so stressful. And you're like, okay, this is great. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I I really want to see the rest of the game. And 
there's a whole like sailing thing you get on this boat at the end of the preview you get on this boat and you sail out and it's gorgeous and there's new characters to kind of meet it's this new adventure that i really want to see but I, a game was, I would like to like yeah i this don't is, know if i can at the moment from what i've seen this is it i, I think know. i really want to like it but i can't hide that i was starting to get quite pissed off with it while i was playing and i don't think that's an experience that you know you have to, people have to be aware that it's kind of it can be kind of annoying see um, now that i've kind of got to that point i'm over 30 now and i just i don't want to be finding games a chore if i'm playing a game it's tar and wind and so i just games like that i do feel like i i think they're beautiful works of art and i think there's obviously a lot of care and compassion that has gone into the development of it but for me i can't imagine like putting my kids to bed and then being like oh i'm just gonna have a quick shot of plague tale like i, I think yeah. i want to go and find something else to decompress with yeah but it's weak it's for the subject matter it kind of has to be exactly it be, thing, yeah. it, i appreciate that you know they can't make that you know can you imagine if it was that setting with splatoon colors like it would not work <laughs> that would be ridiculous this is the thing and, and it's done really well like the way they built you know build the tension and you do feel for the characters you feel like christ you know they really don't get a break do they but at mm. the same time you as a player kind of want a break from yeah. it. so it's a it's a tricky balance there's a bit of time it, it comes out on the 18th of october so there's a bit of time for i feel like some of these things could be fine-tuned it's that those last little things where they could be like oh well, let's just sort those bits out and that could make the difference so well and, and also having not played the beginning part of the game maybe that eases in, you into it in a way that, true so i'm not sure but it, it will I'm really looking forward to it still, but yeah, that was a it's slight... out soon, isn't it? It's out. It's next, the middle of next That's month. I think, yeah, eighteenth of October, it comes out. Anyway, let's leave that behind. One um, quick question for you guys, though, because I'm just curious now. How do you feel as as we're all parents here? How do you feel playing as a child? I feel I find it very difficult now. I feel very emotionally involved if there's ever a game when a child is involved in some way. Okay, so this is a good point actually in this in this game because um, one of the big topics. In the, fir- in the first game was that these are kind of children effectively like say a teenager but one of them is a young child and they are on the run from grown adults in armor soldiers that who they can't help to overcome so the game wants you to feel like that's dangerous um, but in the second game because they've been through some stuff and this addition of the idea that Amicia can now kill people and that Hugo can you know possess these rats and kill people directly kill people there's a thing going on there which they do sort of explore so they don't just gloss over it in sort of an uncharted way and you're just kind of killing tons of people um but yeah it's uh, yeah casting you as kids is i I don't really think of a missy as a as a kid in it but yeah certainly hugo and yeah it is it is kind of awkward i mean in splatoon you're playing as a kid and i'm fine with that so you know (laughs) Also playing squid. <laughs> a, a kid and a squid at the same time it's wonderful my <laughs> issue with sometimes when games cast you as children is that they exaggerate the childlike element of it because they want to reinforce that you're a child and i think that children are capable of a lot more than adults give children credit for i think so that's a bigger topic so sorry i know that was me <laughs> you just came to him sorry but yeah anyway <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's move on. So also um, in Features Land this week, Chris Tapsa was clearing away the last of his Gamescom write-ups, some of which we talked about in last week's episode, so I'm not going to go in and into them here. He's written about Callisto Protocol, Hyenas, which is that creative assembly multiplayer shooter thing. Um, and he's finishing Warhammer Dark Tide as we speak. I'm really excited uh, for that game. Martin, you weren't around for Gamescom. Did you have any? I think you were on holiday while it happened. Did I was. You... It was weird watching it from afar because I'm normally kind of, obviously, in, in my role, uh, I, I try and be plugged in as much as possible. And I'm normally there kind of live reporting the, um, the, the, the shows and everything. And, and so it was weird watching it from afar. From afar, it looked like a really good show, I thought, in terms of um, some really good stuff being shown off there. Um, I What to say about opening night live? <laughs> uh, it was an embarrassment, frankly. I just thought it was, like, it was, it was an absolute embarrassment to the industry and to video games. Uh, it was, yeah, it was appalling. Um, and that was just me seeing the headlines, obviously, but um, what a joke. Like just getting people together, and like, and the headlines are like a fucking Kojima podcast. Just get over yourself. That was just honestly, and yeah, and it was just it was really embarrassing to see the stuff that come out. And I watched some of this. Uh, I, I, luckily, I didn't have to sit through the whole two hours. Maybe it's better in context and everything. But um, it was really embarrassing that this is how video games choose to present themselves to the world in a high profile moment. Uh, and that's yeah, that was from afar. Maybe it felt like if I was watching the actual thing in in real time, I might have felt differently about it. But I saw it, and it was just like. Well, that is not good. Yeah, I, See, I didn't if... mind it, but I think it was more because I had the, you know, I was obviously doing the news coverage and yeah. we were doing news coverage as a team. And so I had like people there that I was bantering with while we were writing. And it, so it made it more of an event than me just sitting on my own watching it as a sort of. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure just the negative stuff kind of bubbles up more because of the yeah. way the internet works and the way online stuff works as yeah, well. But um, it's just the actual, the show itself seemed fantastic and it was really cool to see some. Um, seen from the show floor, like loads of really cool, really promising games. I thought Pentiment looks incredible. Mm. Um, nice. Obviously, Dark Tide is, is fantastic, and uh, Taps of these pieces and Callisto Protocol, which is, looks interesting. Um, loads of cool indie stuff as well, um, like Dredge, I think, was uh, doing around, and that looked, that looked awesome. So, the actual game side of it looked brilliant, um, but the actual, yeah, the games commenting fine. It's just Open Night Live was just, oh, no more, just no more. It has, it, someone's got to just say stop at some point. On the, other so, on the other side, though, I do quite like that it's just kind of games, games, games now, rather than some of the old presentations did linger on, like, you know, business stuff and things. Like that. I think it's more entertaining from that point of view. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's quite the final format, if you like. I, I think it needs some. If it, it if, hasn't been the final format for a long time. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. just I'm just old fashioned. I just miss I miss the um, I miss pl- platform holders having their own shows and people yeah. having their own shows and everything and i miss i'd also just miss the calamity of having them live when things could go wrong yeah um because this this is just a weird kind of i don't know what it is but it i don't know what it is but it doesn't it hasn't justified its existence in any way shape or form from what i can see so sorry to be negative about it but it was just it was a real low point no, it's interesting before. to hear your thoughts um Let's move on a bit. Pentiment was the other game Chris has written about. I didn't include that, but he's written about that and it does sound wonderful. I'm excited about that as well. Um, talking of Chris, um, so the state of the game series that he um, we've been talking about for weeks now and ver- on various different pieces, that's come to an end uh, with The Sims 4. It's a wonderful series, it, a series that catches up with games years after their release and sees where they are now, which I think gives people a, a really nice chance to kind of move beyond that kind of review chat for a game and talk about what the game means to them, you know, in, in the sort of fullness of time. So there's been some wonderful 
um, pieces like that. Quickly looking at Eurogamer uh, YouTube, uh, the team has taken a closer look at Lies of P, which is this um, kind of curio, this uh, Pinocchio Souls-like from a developer called NeoWiz, which I can't work out if it looks good or not. <laughs> I've been trying for since Gamescom and, I, and I'm not sure. Um, it, it, it looks interesting. Um, and Ian has also been getting very excited about playing Ghostwire Tokyo in VR. Um, talking of Ian, I interviewed him th earlier this week uh, for One to One, the podcast series that I do. And that was a really nice trip back in time. I didn't realize, I knew he'd worked in for a shopping channel, a TV shopping channel, but I didn't realize he'd worked there for 10 years. So we talk about that and his passion for games and his passion for the community um, that they do videos for. It's really nice. Uh, he's, Ian's lovely. Um, I, Ian is lovely. I yeah, don't know what else to say star. about him. Uh, that'll be coming out. That's <laughs> out for subscribers this week. Um, but for everyone else in a couple of weeks, Monday the 19th, I've got written here. So I'll just trust what I've written here. Um, Digital Foundry, meanwhile, took a long, hard look at Saints Row to figure out whether old consoles could handle it. And I've been watching Tom Morgan put this video together in the office, and he's been playing the same chunk of Saints Row, uh, the new one, over and over. It, it felt like for a week he played the same section of Saints Row over and over again. And uh, how his head doesn't explode from doing that. Uh, his dedication. So in Newsland, there's, a, there's some exciting events uh, still to come this week. Um, there's a Disney and Marvel showcase uh, on Friday, so tomorrow for us today when you're listening to this, where we're going to likely see Marvel's Midnight Suns by Firaxis. That's the uh, turn-based strategy game, which looks really good. Um, but also maybe a new Wolverine game, a new Black Panther game. Are you guys excited about this? I'm looking forward to seeing what Amy Hennig is doing. Ah, She's yes, of course. She's been confirmed to be there, and it's her... Uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but it sounds like I my money's on a Fantastic Four game from her. That's from a good license phrasing. to pick so, up. It feels like it's faded from people's memories. Maybe. Um, so, and if I'm right, I'd like you all to buy me a drink. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's a deal. It's a done deal. <laughs> I'm down with so, that. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that one tomorrow. So, and then on Sunday... We have uh, the big Ubisoft blowout, the big annual Ubisoft blowout, uh, where we're going to hear what the future holds for Assassin's Creed. Uh, the rumor is that there are three new games, one set in Japan, another set in 16th century Europe, and a third in China, apparently. Um, and we're sending deputy editor Tom Phillips out to France to go and talk to Ubisoft and, and be a part of all of this. And I understand the plan is to do a whole newscast on this early next week, Victoria. Is that right? I th oh gosh, you're, you're quoting me now. I think that's the plan. Okay, I'll put you. <laughs> Tom, in the if you're listening, there. I'm not trying to jump the gun. I promise. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm, on on Saturday as well, the whole site's going to be basically. A, yeah, there's there's a lot of Assassin's Creed news, and um, if you know Tom Phillips, you know that he is the man's covered Assassin's Creed stuff. But I think there's going to be yeah, quite really. about. It sounds quite yeah, not to give too much away, but it does sound quite exciting. What's going to be um, announced? I was poorly a little while ago, and because Tom talks so much about Assassin's Creed in our news <laughs> meetings, I was like, I'm going to see what this is about, because I've not played one since, um, oh my gosh, was it Nolan North's character, the very first days where Kristen Stewart was, not Kristen Stewart, Kristen Bell was in it. Anyway, I had to go at Assassin's Creed Origins, and my goodness, that game is chunky. Is that the Grease one? 
No, that's the one uh, set Egypt. in Egypt. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Chunky as in just big, as in just like, just vast. Just length. Like, I'm still going. I was yeah. there like two months ago. I'm still, still plowing through. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're not. Like, oh my goodness. It's, I did climb a pyramid as soon as I got the chance though, because I was going to make the most of my parkour skills while I did. <laughs> They're so fantastic I... games. It's a fantastic yeah. series. And I love their recreation of some of these really romantic kind of periods from human history like egypt and ancient greece and then i suppose mm. the norse uh kind of vikings thing so it's going to be interesting now that they've taken some of those big ones i wonder if they can you know splinter off into some more uh some I other ones killed Bayak so many times though because i'm so used to playing like breath of the wild where i just jump off and glide and so i just launch Bayak off anything and the poor man he can't handle it the way link can Poor Bayek. So <laughs> this week, there was also some big CD Project Red news where they announced, finally, um, a new story expansion for Cyberpunk, 27, Cyberpunk 2077. Easy for me to say. That's called Phantom Liberty, the expansion. And apparently it's the only planned expansion for the game. But I'm excited because if you remember what they did with particularly... Uh, blood and wine the expansion for witcher 3 this could be you know big big and brilliant basically the expansion's coming um it's exclusive as well to current gen consoles so they finally chopped off ps4 and xbox one which maybe they should have done with cyberpunk 2077 to begin with but we won't get into that um and stadia and it's coming out in 2023 it's going to star keanu reeves again um I'm quite excited about this. I still haven't gone back to Cyberpunk 2077 after launch, even now the next how far did you? How far did you get? I kind of got, I got halfway through and like a lot of people, I was like, I, I, I really, really enjoyed my time yeah, me with too. it. Um, but uh, I just stopped because I was like, there's a, yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted a definitive edition basically yeah. um, to play. Because especially, especially a story-driven game like that, uh, the way I am with story-driven stuff, I don't really have the appetite to play things like that through twice. So yeah. I was just like, I want to play it. I want to play it properly, and I I did really like it. Um, and I'm looking forward to. In fact, I might go back to my save file later after I've finished uh, saying farewell to Splatoon Two. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice because like the opinion seems to have softened on it now. After yeah. obviously everyone, for for good reason, there was a lot of uh, vitriol around uh, 2077. So for good reason, there's never good reason for that much vitriol. But um, I understand why people were down on it when it first came out. But I, opinion has softened on it a little bit, I think, which is nice because there was always a fantastic game there, just hidden underneath some. Yeah, yeah. There's always there's a nice opportunity with games that come out i feel like this happens every time battlefield a battlefield or battlefront game comes out that it's not quite right at launch but then there's always that opportunity afterwards to for it to be tidied up and made good and also i feel like the developer or the companies behind it are then extra generous because they know they have to kind of make good on something that maybe wasn't great at the beginning so you know you get a lot of uh, value in that sense from it and i feel like we're, we're probably in that place with with cyberpunk now I mean, it hasn't been i mean it sold loads for them but maybe it ha it's not it hasn't been the success for them that the witcher was in terms of status and um and mm. things like that so it'll be interesting to see if like you said this is the sort of cap on top of the story of cyberpunk 2027 the the game where they go look it finished our work on this game is is kind of finished now and we've made it good you know you can play it and hopefully please enjoy it please like us again 
in that sense. So I'm excited. I saw, again, I saw Tom Morgan playing this uh, because he was going to capture some stuff. And just seeing the world of cyberpunk really kind of took me back there. And I was like, oh, God, I really want to be back in this world. It's so, such a strong vibe that city they created puts out. It's a strong vibe. It's not a very pleasant vibe. But that's, when it, but that's, that's part of it. It's, that's part of its aesthetic, though, because it is, it's a nasty place. Yeah. And you can feel that nastiness like pushed right in your face quite a lot of the time um, with like some of the most grotesque adverts ever in it um but that's that's what it's going for and it, it it's achieved that sense of nastiness in there yeah um and there's so much to it there's so much love there i'm yeah i'm quite excited about the excuse to go back to it on the topic of cyberpunk there's a new netflix series coming next week called edge runners uh, it's an anime series and there's there's a patch in the cyberpunk game which is going to let you kind of bring in skins and stuff like that from the series i've just <laughs> glossed over all the meaningful content for patch there um but that's happening and also in cd project land they were caught saying uh that they are already thinking of multiple new witcher games beyond the witcher game that was announced relatively recently that isn't the witcher 4 but sort of is the witcher 4 it's the fourth big witcher game but they're not calling it the witcher 4 because it doesn't carry on that exact same story it's not the story of Geralt and stuff like that I'm going to go down a rabbit hole if I continue so but there's the school of the links <laughs> one yeah school of the links isn't yes it? yeah yes interesting though that they're already talking about you know multiple new witcher experiences I wonder what they do with cyberpunk that's no that's because of I don't yeah because of it does feel it would it would be a shame if they kind of moved on from it and after the quite turbulent experience they had of it i can understand why they why the whole ip might be tainted for them but there's so much potential there that i hope it does live on in some way and they do return to it at some point yeah yeah i do too i think their plan was always well the hope was obviously to have alternating ip a bit like fallout and um elder scrolls but yeah i think we might have a a witcher a witcher period for for a little while just to maybe get that excitement back but they're in i think as far as i know good financial standing and all that kind of thing so the future is still bright for them even though they had a chunky blip with this moving on quickly um so we we also heard this week that sony's uh, got a redesigned playstation 5 that's going to come out um on the market you're not going to probably see it um it itself it might not look any different but inside it does look different um and crucially it uses less power while playing games and this is obviously a big topic at the moment uh in the uk because of the cost of living crisis and how much bloody money it's going to cost to heat your homes and you know power your devices and things like that so also it's a big deal environmentally because of course you know power the way we get power is not always good for the planet uh, most of it isn't um, but it feels like the the cost of living crisis is really putting a shining a spotlight on this so this is a really positive step in the right direction yeah I... it's really it's, it's all gone, sorry. oh no i was gonna say I, I definitely think it's a step in the right direction i um i hadn't realized though until it was put on our slack yesterday that they won't advertise it because they don't want people to think that they've got the lesser model with the original ah. playstation 5s which i thought was quite interesting because i was wondering why they weren't shouting from the rooftops that they had made this more environmentally friendly model but then yeah i suppose they don't want people to feel that they've been shortchanged with their current playstation that just yeah caught my caught my attention yesterday yeah it's understandable now revisions like this in a console's life happen 
quite a lot. I think there's kind of smaller revisions where it's um, where yeah, where it's not as it's like it doesn't kind of it's not in your face. It's not it doesn't look like a new look place to PS5. It doesn't have any like bold new features. There's just a small little a nip and tuck here and there. But um, like it's just it's I think like, as you said, Bert, it's good that um, people are thinking about this kind of thing now, basically, and it is in people at the forefront of people's minds about the efficiency of it, about the environmental impact, about the costs as well. Yeah, this was the um, big takeaway from um, me and Chris Tapsa wrote a big environmental piece last year, and one of the big takeaways from it was that in gaming we don't talk about efficiency, not really. Um, mm. It's it's always about power. It's always about having more power and the games being prettier. But this is a sign to me that the conversation is beginning maybe to change and that actually efficiency is potentially a selling point or yes. a bragging point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like obviously you used, you used to sell cars on like how big the engine was basically. It's like this has got the biggest engine, this goes the fastest, whereas now you couldn't do that. You wouldn't even dare think of doing that. Well, in, in most cases for the most ordinary cars for ordinary people. Uh, and yeah, it's nice that it's nice that the conversation is moving that way because of um, it can be tedious, the power debate. And it's like, there's only so far you can take it. And uh, it's just gets more and more expensive. Um, it has so, so many issues in terms of the workforce required, in terms of the resources required uh, and everything. So it's nice to for the conversation to be reframed slightly, basically, and probably overdue. Absolutely. So in slightly sadder news um, this week, we also heard that um, original Kotaku writer, Mike Fahey, sadly passed away after a long illness he was 45 and there was some, there's been some touching and really lovely tributes um, to what was seemed to be, you know, a guy with a really big caring personality and has clearly touched uh, many people. So yeah, sad news um, thoughts are with um, his partner uh, and obviously his loved ones. Um, And on that rather somber note, uh, that's it for weekly this week. Thank you, Martin and Victoria for joining me today. Thank you for having having me. Um, I'm Bertie. Thanks for listening. That was weekly and we will see you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.